fired up. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard the mothership of all things feminism. This is Fired Up, a podcast that celebrates women who are fearless in the pursuit of what sets their soul on fire. Women who break the mold and dare to dream. Grab a seat and take your place in a safe space for bold conversations on charting our own path. Hello and welcome to an all new episode of Fired Up. I'm your host, Sheila Bett. We are now on episode three. For those just joining in, Fired Up was birthed in a completely different podcast. That's why we start from season two. And the original podcast was the Square Pegs podcast. It came as a natural progression in finding the direction that this podcast would eventually take and we landed safely on feminism. If you've caught up with previous episodes, especially the F-Word series, you'll have noticed that on my journey to debunk myths and misconceptions around feminism, I hit a brick wall at part three, Feminism Today. I had come across ideas, opinions and narratives around feminism that completely challenged how I identified with this word. It had become so convoluted that I wondered if my understanding of it and its implication would stand against what popular culture had come to understand this whole idea. The pain point that had compelled the creation of this series to emphasize its utility to us all had almost pulled me away from the conviction that had started the search in the first place. Seeking to create understanding had in a roundabout way brought me to a place of understanding why there was such a misunderstanding of this F word. <laughs> so instead of redefining my outlook in more acceptable terms, I decided to stick to what I believe is the essence of feminism. So here we are on the second season in a long journey that will highlight more of the positive aspects of this wonderful movement that has brought a lot of positive change in the world we know today. Now that you're all caught up, let's get to the topic at hand. Today, we will explore the role of gender roles, or lack thereof, in a feminist household. My earliest recollection of how the larger society perceived gender roles played out a lot later in life. I was either in high school or just out. We had traveled to the countryside for an extended family event. During the long weekend, we stayed at an aunt's house along with our cousins of similar age range. The kids are majority boys, uh, for context, so just one sister among them. One evening, as we peeled potatoes to prep for dinner, the eldest cousin demanded that his sister make him a peanut butter and jam sandwich. I was appalled by this unreasonable demand. Never mind that we were all busy peeling potatoes and he had his feet up in the air. I called it out immediately, but also realized that this was in fact a thing that happened often. See, I grew up in a home where my dad was the only male around and even he didn't seem allergic to household chores. In fact, when we were very young, my mom lived out of town with our youngest sister because of her job posting. My dad would cook us dinner on school nights when he got back from work. We'd help out with dishes, but for some time, there was no nanny to do the care work. He hardly cooked once my mom moved in, but I never thought of it as her exclusive duty as the woman. He had done the same things for us. As I grew up, it was apparent that I would only fit into a household later in life that held feminist values and ideals. So what are these ideals, you ask? <laughs> Pretty simple. We all have the ability to contribute to the smooth running of the home and would fill in gaps to make sure everybody is comfortable and no one feels overworked or underappreciated. The more I interacted with others, the less I saw a reflection of these values. Even the most reasonable people seem to subscribe to traditional roles of men and women and have a rather rigid take on this, especially in romantic relationships. Men who are great or 
decent enough at cooking would vehemently argue against doing most of the cooking at home. It was suddenly a thing that would emasculate them. Some were happy to cook occasionally or early on in the dating phase, then suddenly develop a specific amnesia around necessary household duties once things settled down between them and their partner. In fact, these rigid and impractical attitudes would often lead to some young men in learning institutions like universities and so on to date a girl just to have a free domestic servant. Now, I wouldn't insist that we all equally contribute. Each couple and household has the right to decide what guides their day-to-day living. In some cases, the woman naturally falls into more domestic roles or just prefers to be in charge at home. Perhaps she's particular about how to get things done and would rather not dictate this to her partner or feels the need to redo a task that was seemingly completed. I've also come across men who are very neat and tidy and the female partner is the opposite, but compliments him in other ways. In my ideal situation, we would cook together. One of us would chop up the ingredients while the other did the cooking, ideally the one more savvy with following recipes or concocting them. There would be music playing in the background and we'd be engaged in lively banter, catching up on each other's day as we put together a nutritious meal. It would be a beautiful bonding experience. Once we were done with the meal, either of us would offer to do the dishes or we'd tackle it together to make things go faster. So in most traditional homes or families, the man is the sole provider and the woman, the homemaker. In modern times, this varies, but it's still common to find that even in a two-income household, the man bears the greater burden of providing while the woman carries the running of the entire household on her shoulders. This sometimes translates in neither party pulling their weight to support the other, even when there is a possibility. I have heard the craziest stories. You know the saying that truth is stranger than fiction? A friend once told me about a woman who was her husband's colleague. She had an illustrious career, which sometimes included big bonuses and getting paid in commission. Because she held strong traditional beliefs that the man of the house was a breadwinner, she kept her money to herself. They led a rather humble lifestyle because she didn't chip in to raise the status of the household. She was perfectly capable of it. To take things further down the cuckoo route, (laughs) she hid her money from her husband, pretending to earn a lot less than she actually did. Now, I can't verify the truth of this part, but she met an untimely death and upon her death, a lot of money was discovered in a safe at her office. The husband was shocked to learn that they were not doing too badly. This money only got to him and their children when she died. They could have lived a different life if she was honest about her earnings and willing to support her own family the best way she could. Most of us would find this ridiculous, right? How could she sacrifice living an authentic life that's much more abundant, merely based on the belief that their role was to do anything but provide? Conversely, I see how some would imagine that a feminist household would lean on the other extreme where both the wife and husband must earn and or contribute equally to the household, both financially and in the day-to-day running of the home. For some, this might work perfectly. They can choose to delegate tasks like cooking, cleaning, laundry, and so on in equal measure or take turns to ensure each person is equally putting in work. But how I see it, everyone does what they're good at, what naturally suits them, regardless of how that role is perceived by society vis-a-vis gender. Like in the story I just told, the lady could have easily held the fort financially. As long as that didn't mean that the man would slack in his or this and other roles, they would have easily balanced the contributions each makes to make their household as efficient and harmonious as possible. Maybe he had a less demanding job in terms of time and 
would take on school meetings or pickups and drop-offs, help the kids with homework and so on. I believe that a feminist household in the same vein could have the man as the main provider, if that is what suits him best. That is to mean he earns significantly more. A feminist mum can stay at home and run the house, pay the bills, follow up on repairs and so on. She might even decide to homeschool, a thing that is more and more popular nowadays. Both are playing a major role in the thriving of their family life. No one is superior to the other. It is a partnership. The diversity of how feminist homes are run can vary from one family to the next. The most important thing is that the couple are on the same page and hold similar values. As in any healthy relationship, key ingredients would be trust, goodwill towards each other, and the goal of creating a safe and healthy home where everyone feels appreciated, loved, and provided for. How this distribution happens will depend on the strengths of each party. Both are willing to play their part and they ideally complement each other in practical ways that ensure the best outcome for the entire household. If you choose to run a home that espouses feminist principles and values, there will be some challenges. Some may even occur within the household as you try to merge new ideas with the very sticky old school ones that are starting to lose their grip. A great place to start is, of course, that you are both willing to build on this and there's no military approach to how things are done. Some of the traditional roles will actually occur because they are practical. There is a valid reason why they were normalized in the first place. Taking out the garbage, heavy lifting and slightly risky tasks around the home like going on a ladder to set a bulb or put away big suitcases. These could end up falling on the man, you know, he's likely to be taller, bigger, stronger even. Of course, there's always, or there are always exceptions. We don't live in a fantasy world. I won't pretend to be a muscle-covered strong man. I happen to be on the slender side, and though I can lift a heavy item or two and even twist a new jar of jam open, sometimes my narrow wrists start to hurt and I hand the jar over to my husband. I won't twist my wrist to prove a silly point. We can help each other out and still espouse feminist ideals. No need to get petty. Now, don't get me wrong, this is not to say that you shouldn't make an effort to have a decent level of independence. If I need to change light bulbs or carry a 20-litre bottle into the house, maybe my partner isn't around. It's empowering to know that I can, but I can also ask for help when it's an easier solution and a way to avoid injury. As an adult, male or female, you should try to do as much as you can to be self-sufficient. But you don't have to. We are social beings for a reason. When the environment you're in frowns upon those who do things differently, this may be a challenge for the family that chooses to shun impractical or unhelpful traditional norms. When my husband and I were starting to date, I lived in a neighborhood whose population was mostly local, that is to mean Kenyan. He naturally took up the garbage duty when visiting. The men who worked in the compound would sometimes point and chuckle about it. It was unusual for them to see this. Ignoring the undue attention is just one of the ways those of us who choose to do things differently have to contend with. So maybe your boyfriend is happy to hold your purse while you fix your shoelaces. Some might see him as a wuss, but that's none of their business. Or yours, actually. Trying to live your life to impress strangers, even family and friends, is an uphill task and will only make you miserable. Live your life on your own terms. So what are some of the ways that we can begin to adapt feminist values in our family's day-to-day life? I think a good place to start is to have an honest conversation of your expectations and needs. 
When these are laid out on the table, you can begin to narrow down to what each of you is able to offer to make things run smoothly and ensure that neither party feels weighed down by what they are currently taking on. It would also help to see how your strengths and weaknesses as a couple complement each other. When the conversation is had with a spirit of wanting to be helpful and wanting the best for each other, you can't go wrong with the little steps you start to take towards that goal. A new mother may need to be made as comfortable as possible as she caters to the very needy child. If you're able to, I would recommend hiring help or the husband can help to make sure that she's eating well and getting enough rest. And then the baby gets a patient and loving mother who can cater to their needs from a place of abundance. So in conclusion, gender roles do not have to be what we've grown up seeing them as in the traditional context. In a feminist household, you're free to tweak and change things that work for you and those that don't and make it more about everybody contributing in the best way they can and making sure that the household is happy and healthy and everybody is thriving. What are your thoughts on gender roles and do you live in a feminist household or do you hope to create a feminist household? Share those in the comments below and also on the email provided. Until next week, you've been listening to Fired Up and I've been your host, Sheila Bett.